When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we're going to be talking about struggling prospects today. Two-parter in terms of this series. This episode is going to be struggling prospect hitters. And then we'll have another episode with struggling prospect pitchers. It's early. And that's kind of why we wanted to talk about this, because I do feel like you know, it depends on the prospect, but sometimes we sound the alarms too early. And then maybe sometimes people might not be totally clued into what's going on. And there might be some more struggles than what meets the eye. Usually the former is more of the issue. And we're trying to talk people off the ledge. Like it's okay. He's 21 and double and figuring things out. So we're going to kind of just Go over, I mean, I'm sure there's more hitters that are quote-unquote struggling, but we're going to go over most of the notable prospects that are struggling the most and kind of give our concern level around each of these guys from low, medium to high. Jack, I know we typically like to be more positive, but I did feel like we've been overly positive lately, and we do need to talk about some of the guys that have been struggling a little bit because – at the end of the day, it's baseball, and there's going to be a lot of notable prospects that don't meet expectations, you know, through every single season. So here's the thing, man. We're talking about breakout guys all the time, right? We're talking about guys that are forcing their way on the top 100 lists. Guess what? When somebody enters, somebody else needs to drop off. Yeah. So we need to talk about those guys and, you know, if they they should not be viewed in a top 100 light anymore, or if it's just a really rough start and Hey, you know what? They are still, you know, a top 100 talent in minor league baseball. So we're going to be ranging from, you mentioned 20, 21 year old and double. Um, I, I threw Dylan Bundy on the pitcher list. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking maybe we end with some Bundy conversation on the pitcher episode, but no, nah, man, like I don't want to say I'm excited to do this, but it is going to be nice to, debunk um some of the panic that yeah. organizations may have you know and, and it's fun to just try to figure out what's going on with some of these guys and and see where the struggles lie because at the same with that same notion 
you identify what's going on with a player that's kind of contributing to those struggles. And when he's heating up, if you see that that exact thing that you identified is, you know, been remedied, then you can start to buy the turnaround a little bit more. If if your concern has not been fixed, whether it's, you know, chase rate, zone, whatever it could be then maybe you take that that turnaround with a grain of salt. So it, it provides context to you know things to look for when these guys maybe do start to turn it around. So without you know any more delay, let's let's jump into it. There's about a dozen hitters we're going to try to work through as as quickly as possible and you know emphasis on quickly when you and I get together here. So uh right. we'll, we'll start with with Davis and De Los Santos of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization because this is somebody that I, I want to start with this guy above anybody because he's 19 in double A. So I'll preface like most of the time we're going to set the scene and then give our concern level. Let's just preface low, low concern with Davis and De Los Santos. But we'd be remiss to not be talking about his struggles because this was one of the more popular breakout candidates going into this year. This is a name I get asked about. Time and time again, he's a very popular prospect in terms of like, this is the guy you want to jump on the bandwagon on, blah, 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 because he's 19, stupid power, keeps getting challenged against, you know, higher level competition. But I personally, we talked about it before the year. I didn't think he was ready for double A. I know he put up great numbers and maybe it's okay for him to just go through these struggles here, but I was kind of expecting this. So that's, that's a big thing that I want to preface with. I was expecting struggles. Was I expecting a buck 89 with, with limited power? Probably not, but I, I was expecting the the challenges with approach, the swing and miss in his game to, to start to make itself a bit evident here, especially the 56% ground ball rate. You know, people were asking why wasn't he a top 100 prospect? Those were the reasons why, but Jack, you can probably add a little bit more context to like the exact numbers and what stands out to you. Yeah, I mean, let's start with 2022 because he spent 78 games in Visalia, which is Arizona's low A affiliate. And he was unbelievable in low A as a 19 year old. That's great, right? He's two and a half years younger than the league average hitter here. 78 games in Visalia, hit 330 with an 880 OPS. He gets the bumps. He gets the bump for about 40 games in Hillsboro, which is Arizona's high A. In 38 games, he hits 280 with an 815 OPS. Solid. Let's not force it. 10 yeah. games in Amarillo, he's not that good. OPS is under 700. He was fine in the fall league. Like, not good by any stretch. I was thinking it might be smart to repeat him in high A yes. as a 19-year-old at the start of the year with a quick bump to double if he's doing well. Yep. But they start him in Amarillo, and in 29 games with the Diamondbacks A affiliate, He's slashing 189, 280, 288. That's a 568 OPS. Here's where I take some comfort. This guy, four and a half years younger than the league average hitter in the Texas League, is striking out a little at a way lower clip than he did last year. Mm-hmm. And he's walking at a way higher clip than he did last year. So I appreciate what's going on with the approach. The impact just isn't there. And it might be because he's facing dudes that are six, seven years older than him. And also, I think you hit an important point here. The approach does look better. Like the approach absolutely does look better. But I think he's still finding that approach, getting used to, you know, going deeper in accounts and and all these different things. And, you know, while trying to hit 
better pitching. And I would just love to have seen the adjustments to his approach, you know, against maybe pitching that we know he can take care of relatively easily, or at least, you know, put up more consistent numbers against. And you look at the red flags last year, a lot of like data driven red flags. And also I want a power hitting guy to be comfortable getting into his power. And I, you know, we talk about guys that are challenged. They get into that fight or flight mode. Let me put bat on ball. Let me just try to get hits. And Delos Santos had a 56% ground ball rate last year. Um, yeah. This is a dude that has plus plus raw power uh, or at least potential for plus plus raw power. I want to see him getting so comfortable in games that now he's really trying to, you know, pick his counts to lift and do damage and just getting more comfortable with hitting the ball in the air. 37% chase rate last year. He's dropped that down to 33%, which is better. And I think that's a testament to what you talked about approach, getting a little bit better zone contacts actually up. So in terms of like the, the, the data points for just the bat to ball skills and the approach, those look better, but that's not going to shine through because he's being challenged. So, so hard in double a right now. Concern low. He doesn't turn 20 for another two months. I think he will get going in double A. But to your point, I would have preferred to see him get going in high A, get that momentum, and then roll that into double. Uh, obviously, the, the D backs like to challenge their guys. We're going to talk about another D backs prospect next that, you know, has obviously been challenged, but yeah, he comes yeah. with the, the top 10 pick pedigree. Um, right. Not concerned about De Los Santos in the, in the grand scheme but he's still putting the ball on the ground at a 60% clip. What good is your power if you're going to put it on the ground that frequently? And I think that's the big issue with him right now is a lot of those balls that maybe got through at the lower levels because you hit it hard, those don't get through as much. Um, and, and there's just a lot of different moving parts, I think, to you know, the BABIP is going to go down against this kind of competition. Um, and I think that's exactly what we've seen, 243 BABIP so far this year. Just not going to get away with as many hits. Yeah, so lowest BABIP of his career and then lowest isolated power of his career as well because he, he's not lifting the ball. You have to lift the ball. And when you lift the ball in a hitter-friendly environment like in Amarillo, things are going to happen in a positive way. He's only got three homers so far this year in 29 games. So I'm not too concerned. If he starts putting the ball in the air more, uh, I think we could be looking at a very special resurgence and this guy can absolutely make that jump into the top yeah. 100. So again... The panic level for me is low with Taylor Santos. Very low. And, and, and to, to wrap up, he's still pummeling fastballs. It's the breaking balls that are giving him trouble. He's hitting under 100. Like he is five for 50 something against breaking balls this year. So what does that tell you, Jack? Like that tells you, hey, this is a guy that probably wasn't ready for upper level breaking balls. Like it's just that simple. So. I mean, aggressive assignment, he'll be fine. He's still a very, very good prospect. Another guy that yeah, I would put the concern level at low, but we have to, to hit on him is Jordan Lawler because they're teammates. And, you know, Lawler so far this season, double A, he's a 20-year-old. He's going to be 21 in a few months. 178, 299, 374 slash line. It's a 673 OPS. He's punching out 31% of the time. Um, yeah. He's got five homers. It's definitely been a rough go for Lawler in double. Again, this is a challenging assignment too for a high school guy who's you know yet to turn 21. Yep. But this this is I would say slightly more concerning because he's a year older. Um, I think he's a little bit. It was viewed as a little bit more you know further along. 
obviously, than De Los Santos. I think the defenses look good. Everything else is, you know, he doesn't look completely overmatched or, you know, lost out there. But there is more whiff than I than I was expecting. Uh, 75% zone contact, which you can get away with when you are hitting the ball as hard as, as he does. 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile. Uh, you know, he's not chasing, which is really good too. Very low chase rate. Um, a, a lot of the things look good. He hits the ball in the air. But right now he's just whiffing too much. And, and that is a little bit more concerning than what we were talking about with De Los Santos. Yeah. So like, I don't know where your scale moves from low to medium to high, but this is actually where my scale moves from low to medium. Like I I will put medium worry into Jordan Lawler because of the swing and miss. Like if he was just hitting the ball on the ground a lot and he wasn't, you know, running into good luck and this was a a tough luck buck 80, I would probably put it at low because again, like the thing that we love about Lawler and the thing that I like about Lawler where I view him in a higher light than Marcelo Meyer, even though, you know, that that's getting really close and it's probably close to flipping for me. I know what it already <laughs> has flipped for you, but the way that I kind of rationalized it before this season began was I am pro Lawler because I think the other things that Lawler does on the baseball field are better than Meyer defensively. I thought he was a better defender than Meyer going into this year. Um, he steals bases at a way he's, higher he's clip. Definitely a better athlete. I mean, he's a, yeah. he's a freak. So I'm thinking like, all right, this guy's a physical freak. He can overcome, you know, hitting the ball on the ground a little bit too much. But the thing is, this guy was at 300, 400, 500 slash line last year. So far this year in 28 games, buck 78, 299, 374 slash line, which is a 673 OPS, five homers, 15 driven in in 28 games. He's eight for nine in the stolen base department. But like you mentioned, he's striking out at a clip over 30%. Because he's striking out, he can't use that athleticism. Like, that's the thing that pisses me off the most about freaky athletes. If you punch out all the time, you can't use that athleticism. Yeah, what, what, what good is it? As they always say, you can't it, steal first. Yeah. No, it's the Baez thing, man. Like, Baez is magic when he got on the base pads. Baez was magic when he put the ball into the gap and can stretch a double into a triple. But this guy punched out all the time. So that's when everybody got frustrated. I'm not comparing Lawler to Baez, but I'm just saying you've got a freak athlete with high whiff. That's a really frustrating template for a guy. A hundred percent. And I think it's worth noting, like you could say, oh, it's only 28 games. It was 20 games in double last year, too, where he was 212, 299, 353. And, and a 30% K rate. And a 30%. So, and last year we said, oh, he's 19, and they just threw him up there to get the taste. 100%. I, like he sure. was great through high A. He's a first round pick. I was, I was more okay with that challenge at the end of the year. Plus, the season was pretty much ending, I think, in high A pretty soon. So, it's just to get him some more games, anyways. That was fine. And he showed some power. He had four home runs in those 20 games. He walked. Like, I wasn't concerned by the, the 212, 299, 353 slash line whatsoever in those 20 games last year. But now we've got a 48-game sample of double-A struggles. Again, he's young. He's got plenty of time. And I think he's going to be okay. But I do think that it's 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 right. It's teetering on the edge of low and medium for me now. And I think in in two or three weeks... I'm probably at a medium if it doesn't get much better for Lawler. And it is, you know, a little bit concerning that he's striking out even more than his double A stint last year. And that, you know, the, the, the zone contact is not totally there. Again, the approach is good, but this is a guy too, where if you're not putting bat on ball a ton and, and he used to be a, a put it on the ground guy a little bit more, which I'm cool with when you are 
you know, somebody that's not always going to square baseballs up, you know, that the hit tool looks fringier, like use that speed. You'll, you'll steal hits. His bad bib is 226 because he hits the ball in the air. So right now it's hit the ball in the air hard or, or nothing. And he's not getting those, you know, I wouldn't say lucky because it's not lucky when you're that fast. He's not getting those, those hits that you don't get from other guys because of the speed. He's not stealing hits here and there um, because it's either in the air for extra bases or nothing. Uh, so th- that's where, and, and it, it's exemplified by his, his stat line, 19 total hits this year, 10 of which are for extra bases. That's not how Lawler is going to succeed. He needs to have those rollovers that he beats out. He needs to have those Texas leaguers that turn into doubles. Um, you know, that's, that's what you got to see there. So again, he's got a lot of time. It does make me feel better that the approach is good and that he's not yeah. chasing that he makes good swing decisions, but y- you got to make more contact. So I'm very interested to see how this continues. Um, but I'm going to go low medium. I know that's a cop out, but I'm going to go low med, low, low medium. Yeah. How about this change of narrative, man? Like the pro Lawler guy is more panicked about Lawler. I would be. See, that's the thing, though. I think if I was gassing up Lawler, I think I'd be like, I'd be panicking a little bit more. Um, yeah. But no, that is that is funny. Um, and and also, I realized we we left the name off of the list, and and because of the way what I just said, um, I said Mead by accident. That just made me realize we should probably talk about Curtis Mead. Um, so we might need to throw him into this okay. into this conversation as well. But we'll. we'll well, actually, let's just talk about Curtis Mead right now before we forget. So Curtis Mead, yeah. I'm surprised by what's going on right now in AAA. This is a guy that we were talking about, like we'd give a pre-arb deal to. And my perspective hasn't changed. He's probably going to be a low concern guy ultimately. 22 in AAA. He's hitting 221, 286, 360, Jack. That's a 55 WRC plus. Yeah. He's striking um, out at a 22% clip, 9% walk rate. That looks fine. Um but I mean, those numbers are not good because this was a dude that in AAA last year for 20 games had a 129 WRC plus, and then he is just raked at every other level. Otherwise, this is the first time this dude has looked human. So I don't know what to make of that. Like the last time that he looked human was when he was what in in the GCL when he was 17 years old in 2018 as a Phillies farmhand. Like I don't know, none of this stuff. Since he has been a Tampa Bay Ray, he is OPSed at least 815 at every stop. It was what? 814 OPS in Bowling Green in 2021. Everywhere else, this guy has an OPS over 850 except for this year. And I, I don't know what to make of it. He was awesome, flat out awesome in Durham last year. Um, he's not flat out awesome in Durham so far this year. So I'm not too sure how much stock to place in this. I will put the concern level at low. I will say that this is a slow start to a 2023 season for a 22 year old. Yeah. I think maybe a guy pressing a little bit too, um, that, you know, this was a big camp for him. Um, and that was something too. I mean, he was very involved with the big league camp and, uh, I was actually hoping to do an interview with him and, and he was like, I'd love to, I'm very locked in right now in big league camp, uh, because this is a really big spring for me. So, you know, I, I think that in, in itself, right, you're like, you're really trying to make this team. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that might have been playing into it. Chase, the only only red flag I see, and it's not even a red flag because, you know, it's 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 a small sample, is his chase rates up like six, seven percent. 
So mm-hmm. again, might just be a guy that's that's pressing a little bit in the early going. There's nothing else that stands out. He's still making plenty of contact. Um, he still hits the ball hard. I'm not worried about him, but I did want to just highlight me because the 55 WRC plus looks ugly when you look at fan graphs, but we don't have to spend much more time than that. Yeah. Um, next up, we have, sorry, I lost the list. There we go. We're going to go to Connor Norby, Connor Norby, Baltimore Orioles, uh, Connor Norby. That this is one of the safer bats in my eyes uh, going into this year. So this is definitely a surprise. And, you know, Norby was in that same bucket as all those Norfolk guys that we're saying, like, man, these guys are just about big league ready. You know, they they, they have kind of shown everything you need to see in the upper levels. And, you know, Norby, maybe not as much as some of the others, but it had shown well in double and, and points and triple even started pretty well this year. Uh, and then is just really tapered off. So far, it hasn't been a disaster. It's a 710 OPS still, but I think for Norby standards, definitely down. Um, and, and there are some things metrically that stand out to me, but I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So what jumps out to me about Norby is like we're panicking on a 710 OPS guy who's hitting 270 through 36 yeah. games. So, like, this is a fine start to the year for Connor Norby, but we expect an awesome start to the year for Connor Norby. And when we talked about Norby, when we broke down the top 100, it was honestly me making the case that he may be a safer plug-in for Baltimore than Jordan Westberg at this point. Which now, I would have totally, totally echoed that. To be right, because you had Mateo at short, you had Henderson at short, you had Ortiz who was ready to go at short as well. Like, you didn't need Westberg to come up and like immediately play shortstop. I was thinking Norby's a true second baseman, slap him at second base. You're good. Um, now I'm thinking test the versatility of Jordan Westberg and let Norby kind of work through this. Yeah. Norfolk is the most loaded triple a roster you will find, man. I mean, this thing, like, the log jam in terms of hitters is absolutely insane. Kyle Stowers just got optioned after one bad game. Yeah. Like there's no space on that big league roster. And this AAA roster, like you've got top 20 prospects in most organizations in baseball that are sitting on the bench. Like you yeah. can't crack the lineup right now because that lineup is that deep. And I think Norby is just he, he's not the sterling piece of that Norfolk lineup that we were expecting him to be. Yeah. And, and again, like this is probably one of the better stat lines that we're going to talk about. And again, I think it's because he set the bar so high for himself, but the 90th percentile exit velocity is down big time, which is weird. So I don't know if he's just not a hundred percent, if he's playing through something or or what it might be uh, because last year, 90th percentile of of 103 miles an hour so far this year, 90th percentile exit velocity, just above 99 miles per hour, which is, which is really low. Like that's, that's not good. Um, and then looking at like the max exit velocities, because that's something that, you know, like you're seeing, like, what is he tapping into at his best right now? 106 max for this year, which is also just not on par with what we saw last year. And I think last year he had a max of 109. So something's a little off. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'm still going to put concern at low. But it is interesting to me that he is not hitting the ball as hard um, because it, it's, it's, it's more of a I don't know if it seems like it's more of, of a data thing there than 
than like something that you see with the swing or timing looking off or whatever it might be. I also find it fascinating that he's walking so much less. 5% walk rate this year. That's half of what he was doing last year. So something's a little funky and pitchers are going after him. And, and I don't think they're as afraid of him taking them deep as they were, you know, last year when he hit almost 30 home runs. No, Connor Norby without much power is like not an intimidating guy in a lineup. Mm-mm. You need him to be a power hitting second baseman. You need him to be semi and light. Yeah. And that's not what he is right now. No. So I'll put concern at low, but it's weird. Like this is one of the, the more unique head scratchers. I'm still going to put it at low. Yeah, I'll put it at low, too, just because, like, I bet he's not feeling 100% right now based on the numbers that you just laid out for me. So let's wait until this guy gets, you know, fully healthy, or if we know that he's fully healthy, for me to raise that to a medium. So I go low. to see, like, has he he hit the IL at all? Um, I don't think so. He's played 36 games already. I saw May 4th. Yeah, that that was 2022. Yeah, I I don't see anything. That's yep. really standing out to me. So, um, yeah, it is it is interesting, but it'll be something to follow. Uh, something is is a little bit off with him, but I think he'll get there. Hopefully, Norby will get rolling because that's one of my favorite bats. I just I love the way he hits. I love the way he's able to just tap into game power and and, and drive it to all fields. Yeah. Next up, we've got how about Diego Cartaya? Uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Diego Cartaya. That this was a video dive I did recently. That um, it was it was kind of rough to be honest. Like, uh, it, and he's twenty one and, and double, but he's gonna be twenty two. Like, we can't do the the the, the young thing with Cartaya as much. I will say he's been better of late, which is which is good news. I think he's hit safely in in four straight, including a home run. Um, and, and I think he's starting to show signs of of life there, but he's still punching out a bunch. Um, the 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 thing that's been interesting with Cartaya is he's getting blown up by fastballs, and yeah. you know I don't like to see that from a power guy. No. He, he's he's really struggling with the whiffs on fastballs. I think he's got a sixty five percent zone contact against heaters this year. Um, don't like to see that. He's just not been as productive against them, and then. Uh, you know, he's always been a guy that struggled a bit with, with the sliders. So when you, when you're not demolishing fastballs with that profile, you, you're going to struggle. He's seeing a lot of them elevated, similar to what we talked about with, with Francisco Alvarez, seeing elevated heaters, not catching up to them and not laying off of them. And that's been the struggle for him so far. Um, he just got over the Mendoza line. So he's 205, 297, 372 so far this year in double A Tulsa. It's a very hitter friendly environment and he's just not hitting very well. Yeah, I mean, the whiff, I guess, is concerning, right? This is the first time in his career at any stop in the minor leagues that he's had a K rate over 30%. And again, like it could be, hey, young guy dealing with upper level pitching for the first time. And I think majority of that is what it is. But, you know, we don't hold Cartaya to the standard of a back end top 100 guy. We hold Cartaya to the standard of generational catching prospect that he was billed at at 19 years old when he hit 10 homers in 31 games. Let's be clear. We were the low guys on Cartaya in the 30s. Yeah. In the 30s of our top 100, we were the low guys. No, I mean, I'm looking at consensus top 20 guy across the industry, 18 by Baseball America, 14 by Pipeline, 19 by Prospectus. Like this guy 
was considered in the same light as Francisco Alvarez going into the year. Like, Cartaya is one of the best catching prospects in baseball, full stop. He's not performing like one of the best catching prospects in baseball right now. And because of him looking overmatched like he has, that's why my concern levels is at a medium. And, and, you know, I was hearing some stuff about, and I think I'd read some stuff on Dodger Beats about this too, like that he's thickening a little bit, you know, and not moving as well behind the dish. He was already thick though. Yeah. It, it, but just like, he's not quite developing to the degree that they were hoping behind it mentally really good, but yeah. that puts more pressure on the bat. And if the bat's not performing, like that's something to watch so far this year, if I'm not mistaken, I think I have this right. He is throwing out 13% of base dealers. He's three for, uh, I would be three for 22 so far on, on attempted base dealers. I don't know if you have it up in front of you. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was for Cartaya. So that's something to monitor as well. 20 for 23. They're 20 for 23 on him like that. Yeah. And that could be the pitchers too. Like it depends, but you, you don't want to see that. I, I'm going to go medium here. And, and this might be one of the guys I'm, you know, and again, we were lower on him going into the year. So there's going to be a little bit of the, the confirmation bias, but like I, we still have him as top 50 prospect for good reason. It's impressive power that, that can be like elite in terms of game power. Cause he hits the ball in the air so much. Um, you hope he can stick behind the dish because of how smart he is. And, and he still has some of the good fundamentals. Um, and, and you're hoping for that Francisco Alvarez type of prospect. I don't think he's that. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of clear here. Um, I, I'm, I'm high medium. Like I, I'm definitely getting concerned here because again, it's not like he's some defensive stud. He does bring some great intangibles to the table. I'm going high medium. Um, and, and this might be one of the most concerned I am about it, anybody that we talk about on this list. Um, Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm towing the line of high, but I, I don't want to say high because I can still see, and this is a gut thing. Like I can't back this up with anything. I could still see Cartaya going nuts in the second half and, and hitting a bunch of home runs. And I'm going to be like, oh, sure. I said, I was super concerned about that guy, but I'm, I'm the very, very high medium um, on, on this guy right now. Cause there's more pressure still- on the bat than ever. And the bat's not picking up the slack. No. So I, I think that, you know, he's going to follow a similar narrative trajectory to what Francisco Alvarez kind of followed last year, where we saw him at the upper levels consistently. And it was like, mm, there are more flaws to poke in him than I think a lot of people initially anticipated going and into the, the 2022 is, season. And the difference is Alvarez lit up double A, like didn't blink. It was triple where he started to get exposed a little bit more with the high right. heaters. And right. I'm like, okay. Yeah, and they're the same age. Like that, that is that is an interesting wrinkle in it all. Um, and I think there's a big difference between Alvarez and Diego Cartaya at this point. Um, sure. Alvarez might be younger by a few months, if I'm not mistaken. Cartaya, 21 years, 251 days old. 21, 251. Francisco Alvarez is 21, uh, 178. Yep. Alvarez <laughs> is younger than Diego Cartaya. That's got to put things in perspective there a little bit. Do with that information what you will. Next guy up, we've got Gavin Cross. And I'm mentioning Gavin Cross because Gavin Cross was a just missed when we were going into the year um, on the top 100 list. First rounder, Kansas City Royals. He was a just missed because of the whiff concerns I had. Zone contact was kind of poor, you know, relative to to some of the peers uh, out of the college bats. 
but then it got really good. Like that, then he really finished strong and all of a sudden he's making a ton of contact. Um, and and I, I looked at it like, okay, this might've been a guy that was feasting against weaker competition. And so I, I just was kind of in this waiting period on Gavin cross of like, I want to see more. I want to see him challenged as a college bat. And we're seeing him challenged right now in, in high a, and it's uh he looks challenged. <laughs> like he looks like it's it's hard right now. He's batting 180, 255, 311 so far this year. He's a good athlete in the outfield. He's got good power, but I'm starting to to be pretty concerned about the hit tool. Um and and I think that there is some legitimate concern uh, around that hit tool as we move forward here. 33% K rate, 6.6% walk rate. Um I'm high. I'm I'm I, I like if it's not Cartaya, it's going to be Gavin Cross here. I'm going to put a high level of concern on Gavin Cross. He's in high A. He's not in double right now as a college bat. He's in high A. Um, I'm concerned. He's 22 years old in high A, right? He's he's in his age 22 season. Yeah, he turned 22 on February 13th. No, I mean this might be the only high that I throw out in terms of pitchers here because Cross like he punched out 41 times in 280 plate appearances at Virginia Tech last year. He's punched out 45 times in 150 fewer plate appearances in high A this year. So, like, there are some guys that, you know, the the approach alters when they get out of college ball and they get to pro ball. Like, obviously, we've seen amazing college players really struggle uh, in minor league baseball. But for Cross, like, this is a totally different version of Gavin Cross. He was walking a ton. He wasn't punching out last year in his brief cameo in pro ball. And now he's not walking and he's punching out a ton. Looks and the power's gone. He looks overmatched. And I, it's funny that I follow up Cartaya as like, oh, this might be one of the higher. This is this and Jacob Barry. But like Barry, I'm not even like I kind of expected this. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Cross looks overmatched. This is one of the guys that like we're going to talk about where I fully think he looks overmatched and and I hope if he can make a tweak and and get through it. He's a good athlete. He's a talented hitter, yep. but I don't really know how else to put it other than overmatched. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Like, so he's playing center right now, which is really nice to see. How do you view him as a center fielder? I got to do more dive into it, honestly, in terms of the video, but I think from what I've seen, I, I think he looks fine out there. Like I think he's a fine center fielder. So I, I guess that's, like, like he moves well, he moves really well for his size, six, three, two fifteen. He moves well. Um, yeah. So I think he's good out there. It does take some pressure off the bat, but like you, but you, not gotta, much, you can't OPS five sixty. No, you can't at all. Like this feels like Bellinger, right? If he's a good center fielder, big bodied guy relying on power and the power is gone. You're wondering like what's happening right now. Yeah. And that's in high A is a college bat. Like yeah. high A is a college bat. It, it, I'm going to sound the alarms a lot quicker. College bats should demolish low A, sometimes, most of the time, skip it. And they should I be mean, taking. Neto's already there. Yeah, Neto's in the big leagues. Like, they, they should be taking care of business in high A, yeah. uh, 100%. Next guy is, why not? We'll just go straight to Jacob Barry, another college bat that's struggling in high A. Um, Barry, I wouldn't say looks overmatched as much, is just like. Not that good. Um, 87% zone contact is interesting. Uh, he's hitting the ball relatively hard. Uh, I say relatively because I've always thought the power grades were were off for the switch hitter with the Marlins. 
those who were on our live stream saw the visceral reaction I had to the pick the second it was made. Um, he's not a third baseman. And I do wonder if like putting him at first will make his life easier because I think this guy is worrying about, you know, playing third, but he is, he is not a third. He is the lowest fielding grade I've put on a third baseman. I think ever. Do you have a um, 30 on him or a 25? I think it's 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 a twenty net present thirty future. Like I, uh, this guy cannot defend. Like he is a disaster there, and I I don't know why the Marlins are refusing to acknowledge the fact that he is not a third baseman. I mean his hands are stiff, his feet are slow, his his arm action is really really weird. Um, that said, like the the swing is 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 all right. Like he's got a very simple swing from both sides of the plate, and I can see a guy that develops into a high contact bat, but he's chasing at a near 40% clip. He's striking out at a 28% clip and he's got a 518 OPS. It's just that simple. Like he just doesn't look good. Weather's been cold. He's a warm weather guy. I mean, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt there, but I mean, it's just been bad for Jacob Barry. Like you got to look at some of the guys that are hitting better. Khalil Watson is running laps around him right now in that same lineup. Um, you know, you've got much less experienced guys who didn't put up, you know, insane numbers in power five that, you know, are putting up better numbers against high A competition right now. So the thing that jumps out to me and like, yes, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt for being a warm weather guy playing in Beloit, Wisconsin in the Midwest league to open this year. But you'd think, okay, you know, if this guy's really cold, probably wouldn't be swinging the bat that much. Two walks in 94 plate appearances is not going to cut it, man. I mean, where did the patience go? Yeah. Where did it go? Like, he walked more than he struck out at LSU last year. It's so weird. Walked more than he struck out. Like, that's what the Marlins drafted was like, let's draft the safest bat possible because we can't develop. Yes. And all of a sudden, he's walked twice in 94 plate appearances. And the reason why I didn't like the pick was because when you're drafting that high, I want upside. I didn't think that the hit tool would be a question. But when you look at the EVs, his his exit velocity is 90th percentile, max exit velocity, whatever you want to look at. We're below all of his peers in terms of you know, top 15 pick college bats. Like his exit velocities were below Neto. They were below and guys. A, and he's a big dude. Like yes. Neto's a small guy. Barry's a shortstop. A like yeah. his EVs were lower than the athletic guys. So I'm like, I don't like that. But at least he's going to hit. He's not hitting. Um, high concern. I hated the pick. I, look, I hope Jacob Barry proves me wrong and goes nuts. This is his career. Um, and he's 22. He just turned 22. But when you're struggling in high A like this as a college bat that was built on hit tool, like there was nothing else other than hit tool that got Barry this high. I, I'm definitely worried. Uh, I, I I think this guy's, you know, we did the Marlins top prospects. He wasn't in the top five to be. a. He was not in the top seven, I don't believe. If you're a top six pick in that same year in a subpar system, you're not breaking the top five or six. That should tell you a lot. Um, and, and kind of where we stand on him. For sure. Next up, who do you want to go to, Jack? We could go a few different directions. We can knock out a pair of Cubs. We could go to Drew Romo. So here's who we've got left. We've got Romo, Edwin Arroyo, Brennan Davis and Kevin Alcantara, Isaac Pacheco, and Sedan Rafaela. So we've got six left. Um, I'm thinking we knock out the two Cubs right now. 
Okay. And then we go like Romo, Arroyo, Pacheco, Rafaela. Okay. Let's let's try to fly through these a little bit quicker here to wrap up. Brennan Davis, slow start. Um, we've talked about him a bit, you know, Cubs prospect once their top guy back issues last year and just has not come back from it to look like the Brennan Davis that we're used to. Uh, the powers just not come back. Uh, he's, he's, he hasn't struck out, which is good. Like he's walking at a 9% clip, striking out a 16% clip. That's encouraging. But in triple a, he's a 23 year old buck, 96, 320, slug, man. Um, I'm concerned for sure. Uh, I, I do wonder if there's lingering issues from the back thing. I do wonder, you know, what the deal is, but at the same time, another guy, warm weather kid who is playing in the freezing cold in that league in triple A right now. Um, and so it's warming up now. There's not very many excuses. And I'm hoping he turns it around because Brennan's been a favorite of mine for a while. 60 and Drizzly for the game tonight. <laughs> I'm sitting a block away from the ballpark right now, man. Um, no, I mean, Davis, like, again, I'm using the Y word here, but tall, lanky guy, a lot of moving parts in his swing. It, you immediately think of Yelich when you think lower back issues for a swing that incorporates the entire body. Um, and Yelich, I mean, the problem, again, was never swing and miss. It was just like putting the ball on the ground and the impact was zapped. It really feels like the impact is zapped for Brennan Davis right now, which is frightening, like high. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go medium, high medium. Um, the fact that he's not punching out does give me some calm. Um, you look at the last 15 or so games, he's been better. Uh, but it's it's weird. It's definitely getting concerning here. I almost want to see him just take a swing where he swings as hard as he can and swings out of his shoes and misses. Because right now it just seems like he's almost guarding himself a little bit. And I know his swing naturally kind of gives you those thoughts because – He's so he has such long levers that he's just very direct to the ball and he can hit home runs with ease that way. And and he's popped one Oh nines. Like his 90th percentile is one Oh three. It's not bad. It's just like, there's no in between right now. It's just like, it's a lot of really, really weak contact. Um, But I'm going to be patient with Brennan because it's a serious surgery to come off of. And, you know, he's missed some time and his decisions are great. He doesn't look overmatched. He just looks, like he's battling himself. So I'm going to go high medium, but man, I love Brennan. I really hope that he can bounce back and and kind of get to the guy that we are so used to. Yep. Next is another Cubs guy who, you know, I know Cubs are extremely high on him. Cubs fans are extremely high on him. Just talked about him recently on the Cubs prospect and Cubs on deck with Greg Haas. Um, I've always been Casey over Kevin Alcantara kind of guy, um, but not because of an indictment on Alcantara because of how much I like going Casey. So I am very surprised by the struggles of Alcantara. That said, he's 6'6", playing good center field, and he's 20 years old. Um, You know, he's not getting blown up. He's striking out at a 25% clip, but very aggressive hitter, 40% chase rate, doesn't walk, um, 632 OPS. I'm going to go low. On this guy, because again, we're talking about a 6'6", 20-year-old who's playing good center field and has shown flashes of good games here. The swing looks good I, overall. I think he's still just just finding himself. He's He is a baby draft, really. Like, that's the way I look at him. And, and so I'm going to go low. Um, but, you know, it has been a slow start for him. You know, We were kind of expecting him to you know hit the ground running a bit more in high A, I think. 
you know, you, you have Owen Casey, the same exact age, hitting bombs and double. Yeah, he's striking out, but he's hitting bombs. Right now, yeah. it's like, I think Alcantara is trying to find the hit tool and is compromising the power. And I think he's just trying to figure himself out there, which is okay. He's young. He's got time. Um, so I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, I'm also gonna low. I'm also gonna go low. But the thing that jumps out to me is like five walks and 124 plate appearances. Like, where's the patience? And you know, you think, all right, law or really tall, really long, really young guy. You know, he's not gonna be patient. He's gonna try and tap into that hit that hit tool. He's gonna shine. He's gonna try and show off this freak athleticism. This guy walked 55 times last year in 112 games. So like. Patience has always been a virtue for him. Patience has always been a piece of his toolbox, and now it's gone. So I'm just wondering where it went. Like he hit 273 last year with a 360 OBP. He's hitting 226 with a 258 OBP now. So where did the walks go? I'm sure the walks would make you feel a lot better about Alcantara. What's interesting, Jack, I think it's an excellent question. And and just what we can get from the numbers is – I think he was walking from just poor command and low A because the chase rate was still 32%, which is really interesting context there. So I I think that this is uh, an approach and efficiency that's been exposed a little bit. But again, zone contact up. I I think this is a young guy who will get more comfortable with the approach and get better. So low concern. But yeah, I agree. Like I'd be feeling a lot better if he was walking because, again, it's not like, yeah, I'd like to see him slug better than 374. But if he was walking more and getting on base at a 320, 330 clip through these struggles, we no, probably wouldn't be talking about him yet because he'd have a 700 OPS almost. And, you know, we'd say, oh, 20 year old with with sky high potential who's six, six, like he's just getting his feet under him. So yes. I, I do agree. I think the lack of walks is is a very changeable thing that can make things a lot better with him because, you know, he's going to show the power. He's got some special power potential for sure. Next up. We are going to go to let's go Drew Romo. Drew Romo, catcher, Rockies. Like this is a weird one because he's 21, going to be 22 in about four months. He's a switch hitting catcher who's really good defensively, who puts the bat on ball and even is right now. Um, but he just hits the ball so soft. Um, yeah, and I think that's part of it right now. He doesn't need to be a great hitter to be a, a good player. He could be, a, you know, similar to what he is now, but he's going to have to be better than a five nine or five sixteen OPS in Double A to get his way to the, or, you know, to to get to the big leagues. He's shown signs of life recently, including a home run the other day. Uh, he's starting to, to come alive a bit, but this is a dude that just really does not hit the ball hard. So, you know, I could see the the space and course playing to his advantage, but you know, this is a dude that you, when you put him in Hartford. I think that the lack of power is going to get exposed a lot more. He goes to triple. He probably starts to hit better because of more spacious gaps and the ball carrying more um, because this is, you know, 35 power, really at 30 power potentially from, from Romo, but 60 plus hit. So it's a really interesting situation there. Uh, he's going to have to find the gaps or just find a way to spray the ball a bit better. He, he bought the Gabriel Moreno starter kit, right? Like that's the build that he's in. Moreno has a bit more slug, but we were just talking about it on a Zoom earlier today. Like we haven't seen much slug from Moreno so far this year, but he's hitting over 300. Like you feel really good about what Moreno is doing at this point. So Romo, if things work out, he's on the Gabby Moreno trajectory. Problem is like 
he's got even less power. Like by a lot. It, like by a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, Hartford is like, what's going on there, man? I mean, warming Burnabell hasn't been good at all. It's a hard uh, place to hit. Yeah, it seems like it. Like Zach Veen's heating up a little bit. Veen's got the OPS around 730 now. Um, but like Veen got off to a really slow start, too. So that was an exciting roster. Um, and things just are not going well for the Hartford Yard Goats right now. And I think Romo is probably the poster boy for that. I, I agree. Um, and, and I would still put low because great defensive catcher who is almost in a 90% zone contact. So again, not getting blown up, but the approach could get a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, A switch hitting bat to ball catcher who's good defensively and calls a good game and and earn time marks for what he does back there, I think is great, but he hasn't been throwing guys out at the same clip so far this year. So that is something worth monitoring. Um, I'm going to go low medium because of that, I guess. Uh, But Romo, he's going to have to hit the ball harder. Like when your max exit velocity is 102, 103, like that's just not going to fly. It's going to be really hard to succeed that way. So, you know, that's something to monitor and hopefully he can get better in that regard uh, because I, I do like the player, but he's a guy that could be falling off the top 100 list with those kinds of struggles. And you know, again, he's going to be 22 soon. So we can't just always say, oh, high school catcher young. He's, he's you know, now is around the time where he's got to start to figure it out. Yeah, man. No, I mean, he spent full year in low A, full year in high A. Now it looks like he's going to spend a full year in double A. Like, that's not the mark of a top 100 catcher, right? Like, you have to outperform the level that you're at in order to get to the next one. And you want to be looking at, you know, one and a half to two levels per season. And it, and it looks like we're getting a flat one level per season. Yes. Spend next year in Albuquerque and maybe a 2025 ETA, which like, is kind of league average for a for a catching you know middling catching prospect. Totally. Next is is Edwin Arroyo, another switch hitter. Cincinnati Reds, part of that, you know, part of that trade that sent over uh, Luis Castillo to yep. the Mariner or to the Mariners. Yep. But Arroyo, we were talking about some concerns, some red flags, some things that we didn't like going into the year that kind of put us as the low guys on him in the back end of our top one hundred. But he's been even even worse than uh, like he's been bad. Like I, I was a little concerned, and this has been way worse than anything I could have been afraid of. Like he is swinging and missing more. Um, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. He's not walking. I, it, it's I know he's nineteen in high A, but but man, like this just doesn't look that good. I know the numbers before the trade were good, but he was in a hitter friendly environment before the trade in low A. Then moves over to a less hitter friendly environment, and the numbers really tank. He's somebody that hits the ball in the air a ton to, to tap into more game power than raw power. But now he's hitting it on the ground a bit more. Again, like every single thing has regressed so far this year. I know he's being challenged, but I, I, I'm going to go medium just because of his age. But it doesn't look good. Like he's he's probably falling off of our top 100 list. Here's one. Where did the bags go? He's one for two in the stolen base department. Stole 27 bags last year. Like, where are the stolen bases? That's not that's getting on base that much. But like, dude, he's getting on base enough to steal more than one bag in two attempts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh. what are we doing here? He's got four homers in Dayton to this point, but this is like a different Edwin Arroyo than the one that we were sold on last year at this trade. Yeah. And in 75% zone contact when you're this kind of player. That's not it. It's not um, good. No, yeah. he's chasing at a 35% clip. He's 
not hitting the ball that hard. I, I, I'm pretty concerned. I, I'm definitely pretty concerned. I'm going to go medium, but almost a high medium. Um, the fact I, that I'll go, I'll go medium because he's 19. Exactly. He's on his 20th birthday, end. he's going to graduate to high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I, I'll stick with the medium grade on, on Edwin Arroyo. But man, like this is a, there's a lot of weak contact, a lot more whiff. And again, yeah, he's not stealing bags. So it's, it's definitely a, a bit of an alarming situation there. Sedan Rafaela of the Red Sox is an interesting one because Rafaela was kind of that breakout guy last year and has struggled so far this year. A lot more whiff, which is interesting. He's striking out a 23% clip so that the strikeout rate hasn't jumped a ton, but the zone whiff is is way up. Um, He's always been an aggressive hitter. But, you know, I think when you whiff more, that aggression starts to get exposed more. The, the numbers aren't as disastrous as some of the other names we've talked about, but and and he brings a lot of value defensively because he can play all over and plays a high level center field and can play even a, a pretty good shortstop. But man, the, the bat hasn't been there so far this year. No, not like point blank. The, the good news is when he's getting on, like he's showing off this athleticism in ways that you just were not expecting from this guy. I mean, he's what 19 for 22 in the stolen base department already. He's played 28 games and he's got 19 backs. Like unbelievable from Rafaela. And yeah, I mean, he's logged games at this point in Portland in center and at short. Yeah. That is versatility that you are begging for. But again, like impact relatively non existent. He's got one homer and 123 plate appearances. And homers, you know, while it's not like his calling card, he had 21 of them last year. Yeah, he had 21. So- I'm just like, I'm wondering where the power is. Um, the bags are there. Are we seeing a transformation in Sidon Rafaela? Um, I, I don't think so. He's a 40-man guy. I was, I mean, they just played Connor Wong at shortstop last night. <laughs> yeah. Like, if yeah. if Rafaela was ripping through Portland, like, he could be a call that Bloom makes, but he's not. So I, I think that we've, actually missed an opportunity to see sit on Rafaela make his big league debut in the coming days because he's gotten off to the slow start. And, and My, the, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I'm probably low medium on Rafaela because again, he does so many other things really well. Um, I think the bat's going to catch up. Like this guy is, he's not a safe profile, but he does so many things with the bat too, that I think like, even if one thing dissipates, like even if the homers go away, it's going to steal a ton of bags and he's going to be a doubles triples guy. Um, so I'll go low medium, but I think he missed an opportunity to be that next guy up a hundred percent. What's weird is he's struggling against fastballs, hmm. 206, 290, 294 slash against fastballs, which is bizarre. Um, so that's something to monitor. The swing looks all right to me though. And last year he had a 1000 OPS against fastballs. So I'm going to go low, low medium. Because he brings so much else to the table, like you mentioned, the defensive prowess, the fact that he's stolen 19 bags with a 280 on base percentage is crazy. Um, he he could be a 100 WRC plus guy and be a, a multi-win player. So I'm going to go low. He crushed fastballs last year. I'm going to just say there's some timing issues and you know, hopefully he can, can iron those out as the season goes on. Uh, but it is weird for out of the Red Sox prospect because, yeah, they could really use him right now. And, and I think it's very interesting that he's kind of struggled to this degree. Last name real quick, Isaac Pacheco. The only reason we're talking about him, because I think it's fair to note he's 20 years old and high A um, and a high school guy that, you know, his profile, this is, was an aggressive assignment. 
I, I he was a just missed top 100 guy. So when you have a 635 OPS for the Tigers high A affiliate in West Michigan, like, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. His swing is so good, though. You know, I, I'm going to put a low on it. Um, but I mean, he's just hasn't been very good this year. 214, 268, 368 slash line. Uh, I, the, the whiff hasn't been egregious, though. He hits the ball in the air. He's driving it to all fields, hitting the ball pretty hard. I, I just was a bit surprised because I thought the swing would pretty instantly play there. And I think he's just got a little bit more of a learning curve than we expected. That's okay. I think it'll come along here. I'm not too concerned about Pacheco. So Isaac Pacheco just hit his fifth homer of the year on Tuesday morning, and it went 453 feet dead center. It was an 11.05 first pitch, and he went 450 dead center. So, like, I... Yeah, not too worried. Slow start for a young guy at the level. Um, I, I think he just ended up on this list because this is a guy that, you know, you probably consider a top 100 guy now with all the graduations that was off to a slow start. Yeah, it's just it's just it's not met my expectations. And I had high, high expectations. So I just wanted to highlight him because we we were talking about him so much before the year. And I don't want to be the guys that are like. Pretend we never talked about him, you know, when we were gassing him up before the season. Definitely a little, you know, a little bit concerned about the swing and miss so far. But, um, you know, he's a big guy. That profile takes a little bit longer. High school power bat, 6'4", 210. I think he'll get there. And that 450-foot bomb to dead center was was pretty impressive. So um, I, I think this guy's going to be just fine overall. And uh, you just got to be a little bit patient with the Tigers prospect. And I like what they've got going on organizationally. If it was the old Tigers – you know, a year or two ago, I'd be a little bit more concerned, but I, I like what I'm hearing about the, the development process that, that they've got going on here. I think Pacheco's in good hands overall. For sure. That'll do it for the hitters uh, of concern so far this season. Uh, we're going to talk about pitchers next, so look out for that episode coming out tomorrow. Uh, but we'll continue to highlight. I'm sure there's more names we missed on. If there's somebody that you want us to discuss, be sure to comment on YouTube. Let us know. Tweet at us, you know, at Arnolayton8 on Twitter or at the Call Up Pod on Twitter, and, and we'll be sure to hit on some of those prospects in the future. Probably do a mailbag sometime soon, so keep your eyes out for that as well. Look forward to talking prospects, pitching prospects with you tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.